us online this morning. I'm excited to have everyone signing in from your homes and your computers and your iPhones and all those digital devices out there. Um, just kind of interesting, again, preaching to a camera. I'm hoping this week I do a little bit better preaching than I did last week to a camera. Last week, even the camera fell asleep. So I'm going to try to keep everybody awake and going. That's a problem when you're sitting in your recliner or on your couch. Um, it's a lot harder to stay awake. So get a cup of coffee, and we're going to have a good time being in God's Word today. Um, I'm also expecting um, later I'm going to take this video and we're going to dub it in audio. I'm going to put some amens in. I may even put an amen, praise God, hallelujah in there somewhere. I don't know for more of you charismatic um, you know, church members out there. I, I heard in seminary back then uh, we had preaching class and we would preach to each other and every now and then one of the boys would yell out, shuck that corn brother. I don't know what shucking corn has to do with preaching, but um, I never really heard that much, but they would say it. Uh, Bobby Schumann, I'm going to tell on him this week, he taught me a new one this week. Um, he said if he were here, he was going to shout out, shake that tree one more time. I don't know, Bobby. Um, if you want to say it from your living room, um, couch or recliner, there's no judgment from us at all. You shout whatever you want to shout out and uh, engage in God's Word this morning. I'm just glad you're tuning in to listen to God's Word. So, Let's get to shucking some corn and shaking some trees. Before we start, though, um, we're going to have a time of worship again this morning. I've got a song for you to share that you know well, uh, most of you will. We'll sing together on our televisions, but um, I want to I talk a little bit as your pastor, just a little bit of announcements, a little bit of encouragement, kind of tell you what's going on, because I'm getting lots of texts, lots of phone calls, um, emails. Uh, people are, are just wondering what the next step is. Where are we going? Uh, wh when are we going to meet again? What's the schedule? Uh, what are we going to do? And so uh, this morning, I just want to say as your pastor, um, a little bit of how things are going. Um, I'm not planning um, as we lead the church, and I'm not doing it by myself, by the way. I've been meeting with deacon officers, and we've been talking about some of this, but we're not really trying to plan you know, uh, eight or ten or, or three, uh, we, you know, three months out, eight or ten weeks or three months out. I'm not writing any five-part sermon series right now. Uh, we aren't making any long-term decisions because we just don't know what's going to happen. And so I've learned in times like these, even in my personal life, when things are going crazy, it's a good time to slow down, to make decisions day to day, uh, to make decisions on Sundays and Wednesdays um, day to day. And so I can't tell you about um, summertime. I can't tell you about community rehab or False Creek or children's camp. Can't tell you about vacation Bible school. I don't know when school's going to start up again. And so I just, I just want everybody to, to kind of understand that. Um, it's always best to make wise decisions based on what we do know. So we're just kind of going week to week and praying and trying to do the best we can. But this is what I want to tell you that we are going to do. We are going to continue to find ways to be the church in DeLeon, Texas. It's going to be way different than anything we've ever done before, um, but we are going to continue to be the church. We're going to continue to find ways to connect together spiritually. We're going to continue to find ways to get God's word out in our community. Um, we're excited, by the way, we have a new online giving option we've introduced uh, this week. It's kind of different uh, for those of you that aren't used to that. Uh, it's on our church website, but you can give uh, through Lifeway Generosity. There is right now, I'll warn you, a 3% fee. So like me, when you go to that website, I type in what I'm going to tithe, and I see that fee, and I said, man, a, ch a stamp is so much cheaper than paying that fee. We understand that. We appreciate you being, you know, very good stewards of what God's given you. And so you can mail that in if you don't like that. But the good news is, that fee, that 3% fee, is going to go to $0.30 cents soon um, through the, the, the possibility of doing an e-check instead of a credit card. You'll have the ability, and that, that will just cost $0.30 cents per transaction. So just hang on. Give us a little bit of time there, and that will be way better. If you've signed in, don't give up on it entirely. Um, but we're excited. Not only do we have a digital way of giving, this last Sunday, two different Sunday school classes actually met digitally. Um, that was a new thing for me. My wife's Sunday school class had about 25 ladies join on something called Zoom, and uh, they, they got on their computers, and, and there were videos, and they could talk back and forth on video. Now, I'll tell you, as a pastor, she's in the back bedroom. She's got her laptop, and she's teaching these ladies, and I made one big mistake. I walked back there, and I looked at that computer screen, and I'm just going to tell you, those 25 ladies look way different at 9.30 a.m. in the morning here 
than they do at 9.30 a.m. at their houses. No offense. Um, I'm sure I looked way different also, but um, I'm not going to do that again. You see face masks. You see curlers. You see the whole, uh, whole ball of wax. So that was fun, uh, seeing them get together. But I'm so proud of those ladies for praying together, for getting into God's Word together. Um, for just being flexible um, over a time like this to do things differently. I met with Bob Whitney's class on an audio call this last Sunday, and I think he had 25 or uh, 26 people on that, and so they decided not to do the video option. I don't know. Um, I heard something about there was, I don't want to say a name, but they were worried about um, the kind of pajamas that someone might wear. Um, I'm not going to say a name, but there was a chance that uh, they were a little bit worried um, about um, you know, how somebody might dress in their pajamas for a video call. So they just decided to do audio only, and I think it was a good call knowing the chance that they might take um, there. Uh, so I'm not going to say any names again, but uh, I'm excited. I, I got to join in with the Bible study with them and, and hear um, a great, great message Bob shared that morning, a great prayer time. So uh, all that to say, the church is still happening, and so if you haven't found a way to connect yet, we're working on adding some of those things um, to give you an opportunity to fellowship, to connect with God's Word together, um, just to continue to, to meet. But I just want you to know it's going to be okay. The church is going to be okay. We're going to keep on being the church. Uh, this building, I've said it again and again, it is not necessary to, to be the church. The church is not the walls. Uh, the church is not the lights and, and the building that I'm in now. It's a great tool, and I'm so thankful that we have it. But again, the church is not a building. You're the church. I'm the church. And the church is a body of believers. And we can still continue to be the church without meeting face-to-face -to together. So this morning, um, we're going to worship together all around Delion, from house to house, from family to family. We're going to worship together by singing um, a song titled, Yes, I Will. And it's a really powerful song by Vertical Worship. It's such a simple song with simple lyrics and I want to read part of them to you before we sing, in case you don't know them. The song starts out so powerfully with this statement. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. And then it says, in the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. I just want you to hear those words with your heart this morning, not just your ears. The God that never fails, he won't fail you now. He won't fail us now, church. The God that is never late... He's working all things out. Uh, and then it, the song goes on, just so simple. In the lowest valley, when your heart is heavy, with coronavirus on the rise, um, with our world and economy in chaos, there's just this great response to God that we just say, yes, God, I'm going to bless your name still. Yes, God, I'm going to worship like we talked about last week. So the chorus says this, yes, I will lift you high in that lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy, even when my heart is heavy, for all my days. Oh, yes, I will. That's my heart cry this morning. Pray it be yours, too, as we start our worship. Just uh, in all the chaos and all the worry and all the fear, that we would just look to our God, a God that is never late, a God that is always in control, a God that has never and will never fail. He's not going to fail us now. So let us worship with our hearts this morning and just say, yes, I will, God. Yes, I will. If you would, let's pray. And then let's worship together. Father, uh, that is the heart cry from each of us this morning, Lord, that we would just say yes to you. That, Father, despite what's going on around us in the world, despite, uh, Father, the uncertainty, the chaos, the sickness, the disease, the stress of uh, ec economic problems, Father, worlds, nations are being shaken. Kingdoms are being shaken. But heaven's not being shaken. And so, God, this morning as a church, as believers, First Baptist believers, believers from other churches uh, in Delion, even around the United States this morning as we gather together online, Lord, our response is all the same. We just want to say yes to you. We just want to worship you and, and sing praise today. So, Father, that's the cry not just of our mouths, but that's the cry of our hearts today to you. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy even when our hearts are heavy. Yes, I will. Let us worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
It's good to have everybody back. We're going to be talking this week and next week about a Christian response to the coronavirus. I'm going to piggy off, uh, piggyback off of what I've said last week. Um, I think now is the time that people need to hear what God's Word is during difficult and troubled times. I've really thought and thought about a sermon series that I had, had planned for this time, and part of me wanted to jump right back into that, but I really think our hearts, everyone's hearts, are going to be uh, on the world around us and on looking for God's answers to that, and so I want to talk a little bit about it the next few weeks, and uh, just to give you some, some of God's wisdom on difficult times. Now, I'll tell you, when you open the Bible up, the Bible speaks a lot about times like we're in. Uh, the scriptures were written during times of intense struggle in the church. Nero literally was lighting Christians up as torches um, in his back porch. Rome was feeding Christians to lions. This is the atmosphere that Paul sets down and writes these letters. This is the atmosphere that the Gospels were actually written in. And so the Bible speaks a lot about a lot more difficult times than we're in. And I, I don't mean to make less of them, but for many of us, our greatest uh, you know, persecution right now is maybe not being able to go to the movies or um, you know, to uh, not be able to meet in public or come to church. Some of us, um, you know, at my house, maybe you run out of Charmin this week and you're having to use Angel Soft and that stuff's like sandpaper. And so you're really suffering for Jesus. And I don't mean to make fun and I don't mean to make light because... I know there are people out there that are really suffering, and I know that this sickness is not something that we need to ignore. We're going to talk about that today. It's not something that we need to act flippantly about. That's why we're not having church. We're being wise, but I also believe when I look at the world that um, we're in an interesting place. We in America, especially as a church, haven't been through many difficult times, and so um, our response is really critical in times like these. I think we're all learning to grow in our faith. We're learning to trust God in areas of our lives that we've felt like we've had pretty good control over. And I want our eyes also to be on um, what God has done already in our lives. Like, consider, had this happened a hundred years ago and the church weren't able to meet together in this building, what would, have the, what would the options have been? What would we have been doing back then? Uh, without the internet, without video cameras and iPhones and audio systems uh, to record and distribute sermons and messages. If we couldn't have come together back then, we just wouldn't have, and that would have uh, created immense problems for the church, uh, especially in the United States. And so I want you to consider how God has blessed us with the technology, with the medicine, uh, with the knowledge to do tests and and to uh, provide life-giving, you know, medicine to people. You just think about all that God's given us. 2,000 years ago, even when we think about the church, what did the church do to communicate? They wrote letters. So you can imagine as a pastor, me sitting down and writing a letter. You know, it would be a long letter. My hand would probably get tired writing a letter. But I would write that letter, and then I would send it, you know, to one household, and that household would read that letter and send it to another household. And somebody might think that letter's good enough that I want to copy that letter, and I'll send it to three of my friends. And that's how God's Word would have gotten out. That's how a sermon would have gotten out. And so I'm so thankful that I'm not writing letters and sending them out to all you guys to pass around your homes. We can do this a, a lot better way. And so I think our eyes need to be on, man, God, what a time that you have us in. And thank you for this technology. Thank you for all that you've given us. God's given us some amazing things uh, to deal with a crisis like this. And so today what we're going to look at in 2 Timothy, if you want to open your Bibles, 1-7, we're going to talk about Three things that God has given us that are going to help you through this crisis. Three things that God has given us that will help you through persecution and trouble and hardship in your life. Three things that God's given us and one thing that God has not given us. Uh, one thing that God's not given us. And I want to encourage you, if you will apply these three things that we're going to talk about that God has given us in your lives, it's going to get rid of this one thing that God has not given you. And you can see this in your verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. I'm going to read the text. We're actually going to do 7 and 8. Um, I'm going to end with 8 today, but just two verses. But just read along there in your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you would, follow along. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of discipline, or sound mind. 
Verse 8 says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Man, I just I love that verse. I love the text. I love what it's saying to us here. Three things that God's given us. One thing that God has not given us. Um, I want you to look. First thing God says, to, or Timothy, uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, and Paul tells Timothy, God has not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear. Here's the first point. It's so simple. We are called as a to live by faith, not my fear. Now, I know there are some people out there I hope this really speaks to because we're scared. Our children are scared. Man, we, we talk about what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and what are we going to do, and that's fear from our hearts coming out uh, as in our conversations with other people. I get text messages and prayer requests and people just checking in because we're all afraid. I, I would be lying as a pastor if I said I, I wasn't worried about some things in the future. That's just honest. But God says, you have not been given a spirit of fear. We're not called to live by fear. We're called to live by faith. Now, I want to teach you um, a, a little bit about this, this word fear here in the Bible. Uh, the Greek word is so powerful. And I want you to study it with me this morning. Um, I wish I could show it to you on a, on a screen, but I just want to, want to teach it to you. So this very small Greek word, fear, it's the word delia, D-E-L-I-A, delia. It simply means cowardice. It means being afraid. It means being feel, fearful. This word delia, in the Greek word, it comes, though, from another very powerful word. The root word of delia is the Greek word deos. And deos is a totally different word. Deos is a word that if maybe you visited the Grand Canyon and you walked out and there's this giant chasm um, beneath you and you see all the colorful rocks and the clouds are all around and there's a bald eagle soaring across the canyon in all of its uh, majesty and the clouds and blue sky, it's just everything's perfect. And, and you come to the edge of that precipice and you're looking out and you just have this feeling of awe this feeling of amazement that's the word dios you just are looking out and you just you're just amazed and awestruck at what you're looking at that's the word dios it's like maybe if you went to washington dc and they gave you a tour of the white house and you went into the the Senate room, and you went into the House of Representatives, and you went into the courtroom where the Supreme Court met, and then you went into the Oval Office, and here comes the President of the United States. And all of his, he comes up and fist bumps you, of course, doesn't shake your hand um, because we have coronavirus, and you're just looking at the President, and you're awestruck at, at his authority and the, the power of this building that you're in as the center of government in America um, that's the word deos. It's a neat word. It's a word in the Greek language that if you were in a town as a peasant or as a commoner like me and the king came through your town and you were out on the streets that day and he rode through on his white stallion with his army behind him and as he came you would bow down. And you would pay him homage, and you would pay him respect, and you would pay him reverence. You would fall on your face. That's the word deus. Now, that's the root of this word delia, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of delia. That's not the kind of fear we're supposed to have. We aren't supposed to be afraid of the coronavirus or anything else in this world there is only one kind of fear that is healthy in our lives. Uh, when we have the right kind of fear, it's this, this deus. When we're awestruck by who God is and what God's done, when we're worshiping and we're saying, yes, I will, to a great God that's on the throne that uh, is all-powerful and omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient and when we're awestruck, when we're worshiping and we're reverent and we're in his word and we're at his feet, man, you're going to experience something in your life. I talked about this last week. When you begin to worship, it's not that your problem goes away. It's not that this big problem just vanishes. It's just that that big problem becomes so small in light of your great God. That's what worship does. 
you move from Delia being afraid of your circumstances to be you won't be afraid anymore because you'll know who's really in control. You know, uh, I have three boys, and anytime we go on long trips, we take the Suburban. And the Suburban, the back seats of the Suburban, it's almost, they're almost like a bedroom to my three boys. And they have televisions back there, and they bring their iPads, and, and they bring pillows and blankets. The last thing they'll run and get before we go on a long, long road trip or sleeping apparatus, they'll say, I, I need my blanket, I need my pillows, and they'll get in the car, especially my youngest two, my oldest will many times stay awake, but my youngest two, they get in the car, and if I'm driving, it's a long trip. Man, they'll look at me, Caleb and Isaac will say, how long's the trip? Well, it's, it's three hours. They'll be asleep sometimes before we get to the end of the road. They're like, I'm going to sleep this trip. So they're comfortable to do that. So I went to Ecuador, as you know, a few months ago, and uh, my wife uh, took care of the kids and stayed here with them. And one day they went to the Metroplex to meet some family to have a fun day. And I called them that night afterwards, and the boys were on the phone, and I said, well, how was your day? And my, uh, Caleb looked at me on the phone, and he said, Dad, we didn't get to sleep much. And I said, what do you mean sleep much? You went to the Metroplex. He said, I know it was a long drive, and we didn't get to sleep much because Mom was driving. And I just thought, uh-oh. And I said, well, was it exciting? He said, yeah, we couldn't sleep with Mom driving. We just were unsure, Dad. We were scared. We had to stay awake with her. And my wife doesn't drive on the interstates very much. She doesn't like traffic. She would admit that to you. Um, she just doesn't. And so around town, it's no big deal, but she doesn't enjoy traffic at all. And so the boys, evidently, it got pretty wild going to the Metroplex. But he said, when you're driving, Dad, we, we can sleep. We're at rest. And isn't that how it is in our lives? Man, when you realize, when you're looking around at the world and you think, coronavirus is in control, and you think that a government or a leader or, or doctors or scientists or medicine are in control, man, you, you'll get delia. You'll get this Greek word for fear. You'll be afraid. But when you realize who is on the throne, who's behind the steering wheel, when you realize that God himself is in control of the events of the world, then you can have this dios, this awe and this reverence. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be fearful anymore. I'm going to have faith. When you understand that God is in control of your lives, you will have faith in God, not fear of this world. You will live by faith and not by fear. When the rest of the world is running scared, you'll be standing strong with your God. I hope you'll understand that God is not in heaven frantically screaming, Oh no, uh, Michael, Gabriel, get, come here quick. I didn't see this virus coming. I mean, I was, I was watching March Madness basketball, and, and I was distracted by U.S. politics, and I was afraid of what was going on in Iran, and I had my eyes everywhere else, and this thing in China, it popped up over nowhere, out of nowhere, and I don't know what to do. God isn't frantically running around heaven scared. He wasn't uh, surprised by coronavirus. He's not panicked. He's not taken aback. He's not surprised. He's not afraid. God's in control. He's good. He's always in control. He always has a plan. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. When we go back and grab these promises from Scripture, He's working all things for good. So I want you to resist through this, trying to say why God is doing this. I want to speak to you as a pastor for a second. I, just be super careful trying to, to say, people ask me all the time, why is God doing this? I don't know. That's a great answer. He just is in control. I, I don't want to give, and, and really resist. I've heard some preachers this week, you know, well, this is God's judgment on sinful humanity. Okay. I can go there simply because ever since the Garden of Eden, we've had problems in this world. Had man, Adam and Eve, not ate the apple and each of us not fallen into sin, we would not have coronavirus in the world today. That's a true statement. But is coronavirus a judgment for any specific sin? I, I just have a hard time with that. I think it's a difficult statement. I, I heard a, a preacher this week that he said, well, God's just trying to get our attention from movies and television and running, you know, baseball and, and sports and all that we do. God's, God's doing some of that. And it was a good email. Don't get me wrong. It was a good message. But tell somebody's 74-year-old grandma that just died, right? You just lost your grandma because the world watches too many movies. 
No, we just can't guess the heart of God. We just can't. Uh, I've heard over and over again, I made a mistake of saying to my wife, um, God must be doing this just to slow us all down. See, we all speak of suffering from our perspective. So when we're trying to figure out God, we look through the lens of our life. So I want to challenge you, don't try to put words in God's mouth. Well, God's just doing this to slow us all down. I'm married to a nurse. You know, where everybody else says, oh, well, this is a great time for family to stay home together and, and spend good family time together. Man, I said that to my wife. Mistake. She hasn't seen her family in 14 days. We, we get to talk to her an hour a night. And not just her, but you think about all the healthcare workers. You think about the nursing home employees. You think about those that are frantically trying to protect life and save you and I. We don't need to speak for God on this. We don't. We don't need to try to, to give an answer. Sometimes we think an answer will help. So yeah, it wasn't good when I said, oh, well, it's just good to slow down. Maybe God's teaching us to slow down. I got the look, and for you men that know what the look is, it's not always pretty. I realize this is the most strenuous time in my 16-year marriage because I'm married to a nurse. And I'm going to tell you, they don't get to quarantine. You know, they don't get to slow down. They don't have time with family. They're running right into the field, into the fire. I know a mom who hasn't seen her kids except for an hour a day in two weeks tell her that God is trying to get her to slow down. Don't, don't do that. Don't put gut words in God's mouth. Just simply, simply say what you do know. When people ask, when people are hurting, when someone loses a loved one, when someone's sick, when someone's business is failing, don't try to tell them what God is doing. Just simply remind them that God loves them, that God has a plan, that God is in control. As we sung last week, God is still on the throne. Though mountains may crumble and sea billows roll, we can say it is well with my soul because he is good and he is God, and this was no surprise to him. We don't have to try to figure out why. Now get ready. I want you to hear this. The reason why doesn't change a thing. We're asking the wrong question. The reason doesn't change a thing. It's our response to what God is doing that matters. I have, uh, now have three hours of homeschooling to do a day. You may look at it the way I'm looking at it. I do see it. Man, I'm having time with my boys that I've never had. And we can pray together. and We can read together. And we can spend quality time together. And I'm, I'm working from the kitchen table and trying to write sermons and, and lead the church all from home. And it's different, but it's not bad. That may be my experience. But my question for me, when I, when I look at my situation, is what is God asking me to do in this situation? I want to father my parents, my kids. I want to take care of the church. I want to make my wife's life as easy as possible when she gets home. Man, I'm doing laundry and we're doing dishwashing and we're cleaning the carpet. We're, we're, the whole house we're trying to take care of so she can come home and rest. I know my place. I know what God's asking me to do. Writing a sermon on a kitchen table full of distractions. I'm answering calls all day trying to give people comfort in God's truth. I don't know why God's doing it, but I know what I'm supposed to do in it. What I'm supposed to do is not what you're supposed to do, by the way. Our response is really what we need to pray about, not, God, tell me why you're doing this. That won't matter. But God, what do you need me to do in this? What are you calling me to do in this? I don't know what that means for you. I know that my wife's experience is way different than mine. You know, she's not learning to rest and relax and spend time with her boys. She's learning to rely on God in a whole different way. She's learning to trust God when she's around sick people. She's learning to trust God to give her wisdom to make good decisions. She and a lot of other healthcare workers are learning what it means to go into the fire every day to love their neighbor. Their response is way different than my response. Everybody's response is different. So I just want to challenge you, as you respond in faith and not fear, what does faith mean to you? What is God calling you to do today? 
What is God calling you to help with today? Where is God calling you to serve today? I know if you're a teacher, you're learning how to teach online. Some of you businesses are having to trust God financially during very difficult times. Say, what am I called to do through this? And our faithfulness all looks different. So I just want to ask you this morning, what does your faithfulness look like in this situation? If we're called to not be fearful, but to be faithful, what does that look like in your life? I can tell you, um, it's meant some amazing things in some people that I've known. You know, for instance, uh, and I can say this very selfishly, I've had some amazing ladies bringing meals to my house. They know that if they don't, my boys are going to eat corn dogs and hot dogs, which are the same thing, all week long. Yet, we've been eating fried chicken and chicken fried steak. We've had a big pot of beans and cornbread. We've had chicken spaghetti, and I haven't cooked any of it. And it's amazing when my wife comes home, I just pretend that I made dinner. She knows better. Because someone out there says, faithfulness for me is helping someone else. I don't know what you're called to do, but I am going to tell you, you're called to be faithful, not fearful. Don't freeze in fear. Do something that God is calling you to do. Paul says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's talk about the three things that God has given us. He's given us a spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of self-discipline. We're not panicking, we're fearful. Number two, one, we live by faith, not by fear. Secondly, we help, we don't hoard. We help, we don't hoard. These are not times to be selfish. These are times to be sacrificial. Now, technically, we're all born selfish. Without Christ, we're all selfish. In fact, I've never known anyone that had to be taught to be selfish. There's no such thing as a selfish preschool class that you go to learn to be selfish. You can take that two-year-old to preschool. You can give him a toy that's yours. You can let him play with that toy for a few minutes, and you can take that toy back, and he'll learn very quickly. You don't have to say, I want to teach you a new word today, little Timmy. It's the word mine. You say it with me, mine. And he'll look up and say, mine, good. Now, when someone takes your toy, you say mine, and you grab it back, little Timmy. You don't have to teach a kid to be selfish. You don't have to say, now, little Timmy, if they take your toy, here's a Lego. You aim right between their eyes, little Timmy. That's what, you don't have to teach a kid that. They do those things automatically. We're born that way. The sin nature thrives in our lives. And, and so when you see that a young child, you don't have to teach them to be selfish. We're born selfish. Our human nature just leans that way. Yet, as we are redeemed and come to Christ uh, and begin to, to be sanctified by Him, uh, the Christ's nature begins to come alive in us and we stop uh, or we, we begin to not be as selfish, but we're being changed daily to be more like Jesus. And Jesus was the most unselfish uh, person to ever walk this earth. He just gave and gave and gave and gave even His life. So as we follow Christ, we're not hoarding, we're helping. We're not you know, selfishly taking, we're sacrificially giving. That's what Paul says in this verse. He says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound judgment. That means take the strength that you have, the power you have, and go love somebody and do it wisely. That, I just, those three verses, I just gave them to you. Take the power, the strength you have in your life, and go love somebody and do it wisely. See, in fact, when I look at the first century believers, the early church, they were facing extreme persecution. They would lose their homes, they would lose their incomes, they would lose their jobs, and uh, everything, they had no churches to meet in, everything began to change. And let me tell you what they weren't doing. They weren't rushing, rushing to the Jerusalem Walmart and loading up on all the rice, beans, and toilet paper, you know, 200 rolls, and running back to their house and putting it in their cabinets. That's not what it says. In fact, Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says it this way. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. Acts 2, 44. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. Watch what they did. They didn't hoard. They weren't selfish. They weren't rushing to guard their own supplies. It says, it says, they sold property and possessions and gave it to anyone who had need. That's good stuff. 
Man, I, I hope that you'll understand that in the next few weeks and months, you may have more opportunities to be generous in your life than you've ever had before. You may have more opportunities to be loving and reach out than you've ever had before. People may be lonely, and you can give them companionship. People may be fearful, and you can give them hope. People may be hungry, and you can give them food. People just may need a ride to work or a ride to the hospital. I, I don't know. Someone may need you to help with their children some while they're at work. So many desperate situations, even in our own small town. I want you to notice something else in Acts chapter 2 that's really cool. Scripture goes on and it says this, every day they continue to meet together. Now, I think we ought to underline that word every day. Every day they continue to meet together. It says first in the temple courts they met publicly. Secondly, they met in their homes. They met privately. They ate together and were glad with sincere hearts. Man, I love that. Now, I know that we can't meet together publicly. I understand that. I know that it's even difficult for us to meet together privately in, in groups. We want to be wise. That's what he says. I've given you power, the strength, to make a difference with love in someone's life. But I want you to do it in a wise way, with self-control, with wisdom. That's what we're trying to do by not having church on Sundays. We're trying to exercise wisdom. Yeah, we have the power. Yes, we want to love the world around us. But we also want to exercise wisdom by following the quarantine guidelines. In the New Testament church, that meant in a world where Nero was trying to hunt you down and kill you and feed you to lions, you didn't carry a sign that said, hey, I'm a Christian. It meant you had wisdom. Yeah, God's given you power. Go out and preach the gospel. Yeah, God's given you love. Go out and reach those that are hurting and lost. But do it wisely. Don't carry a sign and walk to your death. Yeah, I'll be ready to die if the time comes. Yeah, I'll be ready to give your life for Christ, but Live wisely. Maximize your influence while minimizing the danger. That's been on my heart lately. We want to maximize our influence as First Baptist Church while minimizing the danger. We're trying to find ways to do that. But here's what I want you to see from this verse. They met together daily. 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 They didn't have a once in a while kind of faith. They didn't have a once a week kind of faith. They had a daily kind of faith. I've been preaching for years. That's a problem in America. We have a Sunday, Wednesday kind of faith. Well, actually, most of us just have a Sunday kind of faith. There's about 30 of us that have a Sunday and a Wednesday kind of faith. There are more children and youth in this church that have a Wednesday kind of faith than, a, uh, than the adults. But they didn't have just a Sunday, Wednesday kind of faith here. They had a daily kind of faith. And every day in their house, in the temple courts, they're meeting Man, I want to challenge you, church. Don't just be the church through this on Sunday and Wednesday. Man, you have an opportunity to be the church every day of the week. Man, as you sit down with lunch uh, at work, you're praying with people, you're reading your Bible, you're sending out text messages, verses to people. Man, when you get home, you're spending time with your children and you're reading Scripture with them, you're talking about what's going on in the world. Man, you're praying with your spouse. You're... you're meeting together on Sunday. You're finding a Bible study on Wednesday. You're teaching your kids Sunday school. You are now the Sunday school teacher. I don't have to have it approved through the nominating committee. Mom, Dad, you're it. You're on. Let's go. It's a daily kind of faith. You may shut the doors to a church, but you can't shut down the faith of a church. You can't shut down the love of a church. We're still going to preach the gospel. We're taking it online. We're still going to live the gospel. We're going to take it outside of these doors into the community around us. You may not have heard, but I'm announcing this morning, we're going to put it out in some email chains. We're going to try, as First Baptist Church, we're going to not try, we're going to do it. We're going to feed every employee at the hospital in the coming weeks. We're going to have a fajita dinner. Chicken and steak fajitas, all you can eat. We're going to go out there. We're going to set up grills. As a church, we're going to buy the food. We're going to feed them all. All the healthcare workers, the janitors, man, the administration, every staff out there, we're going to say, we love you, we're praying for you, and we're here to help. Because that's what churches do. The next couple days later, we're going to go to the nursing home. We're going to pull up in their parking lot. It's already been arranged. We've already called the administration. We're going to feed the staff at the nursing home who may not even get 
to leave in the coming future. They may be sleeping. Some of them in some nursing homes around our nation already are to protect our loved ones there. We're going to feed them. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's just one meal. But we're going to be faithfully looking for a way to be the church, to love people, to reach out a hand of love and support and to pray for those on the front line. So listen, just because we can't meet in this building, it doesn't mean we get to stop being the church. If we go back to Acts chapter 2, I love what it says. It says, the Lord added daily to those that were being saved. With all my heart, I believe that God will use this time in the world when people are afraid and they'll begin to look to Him. I believe with all my heart. I'm going to say some big statements here. Get ready. And I just want to extend my face. Sometimes it's hard to believe. But I want you to do it with me. I really believe we're going to grow during this time, not shrink. Will you pray that with me? That God's church, not just in Delion, but around the world, will grow during this time and not shrink. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ in Delion and around our world is going to serve more during this time, not less. People say, oh, wait, wait, we don't have the budget for that. We don't have the budget for that. We don't have tithe coming in and this online option. It's just not working. I'm going to believe that we're going to serve more, not less. Will you believe that with me? Will you pray that with me? I believe we're going to share the gospel to more people and not less people. I believe more people are going to be saved than ever before. I believe, somebody says, well, how can you survive without passing an offering plate, church? Listen, I want you to know, we don't survive financially because of a system of taking up money. It's not the system that causes God's church to thrive. It's the generosity in the hearts of God's people. The system doesn't matter. We don't survive financially because of a system. We survive because of obedient people that listen to God, who sacrifice Now, I know that's a little bit more difficult, but I do not believe as a church that we have to worry about finances. I don't believe in the world around us, even churches in other places. I don't think God's church has to worry financially. In fact, I want to say this. I believe we're going to have more, not less, during this time. I believe God's going to provide. I believe that our bank accounts can actually grow. And we can do more ministry, and we can reach more people, and we can feed more hungry, and we can pray more, and we can go more, and we can serve more. I believe we'll grow, not shrink. I believe that we'll have more, not less. I believe that more people will get saved. I believe the gospel will go out. I believe we can feed more people than we feed on Wednesday nights. Why? Because we live by faith and not fear. Because we're called to help, not to hoard. Get ready. Third thing, we're going to shine, not hide. I love what verse 8 says. Everybody look at verse 8. We've been given this power, spirit of power. We've given the strength of God to reach out into the world to love them. Power of love and of sound mind. We're going to do it wisely. So he says, you've been given these three things. Not fear, but power, love, and sound judgment. Not fear. So do something with the power, the love, and the sound judgment that God's given you. This is what he says in verse 8 to do. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. It's time, Bobby. Let's shake some trees. If somebody out there would say, preacher, just shuck the corn. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Here's what Paul is telling young Timothy. Timothy, go shine the light. Don't hide it. Jesus said it. You're the light of the world, a town built on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Neither do people take the lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to all those that are in the house. Don't hide the light. In the same way, church, here's your assignment Let your light shine among people that they'll see your good deeds and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. You're the light, church. I'll say it this way. You carry the light. He's in your life. He's in your heart. We are the light. 
We let it shine. We don't hide it. Unfortunately, during this time, there will be so many people who feel incredibly unsettled and afraid and scared and anxious, and they're just looking anywhere, somewhere for hope, for life. The good news is, what are you out there that I'm talking to this morning? You have the hope of the world within you. You carry the light of the world in your heart. You're a bunch of radical, faith-filled light shiners. Life givers. Listen, this virus, it may be contagious. It may be the most contagious virus that this world has ever seen. But I'm praying for Jesus followers that we're even more contagious than coronavirus. That the love of Christ in our lives is even more contagious than coronavirus. I'm praying that the love and the message of Jesus Christ, as we are not ashamed of it, we share it, spreads across the face of this world. Wouldn't it be cool to see a map? 1,700 cases and 1,500 cases. and you know, Wouldn't it be cool to see a state-by-state, nation-by-nation map around the world of where the gospel's going through this? We had 200 more people in the state of Texas today. Man, it's spreading. Look, it's spreading to South Korea. Spreading North Korea. Oh, it's in Japan. Oh, it's contagious. It's going everywhere. We're going to talk next week about contagious Christianity. We're light shiners. That's what we are. We're the body of Christ. We don't hide our light. We shine our light. We have faith, not fear. We help. We don't hoard. We shine. We don't hide. We're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of the gospel that brings salvation to every person that believes. And just like the first century believers, even amidst the persecution and even amidst the hardship, they said, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We can't shut up about it. We just have to tell everyone. We can't stop shining because we know Jesus. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Today as you watch, wherever you watch, wherever you listen to this from, there may be someone out there that doesn't have that peace, that doesn't have that assurance that's never truly put their faith in Jesus Christ. I just want you to know this morning, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just talking about world events. This world is passing away. One day it will. I don't know if it'll be a coronavirus, but I know it won't last forever. But your soul, your spirit will. And I can tell you, the gospel message is the only way to eternal life. Not ashamed of it. When you call in the name of Jesus, He hears your prayer and He'll forgive your sin and He'll come into your life. He doesn't just save you from hell. He'll save you from a meaningless, wasted life on this earth. So wherever you are, um, maybe you're scared in your living room. Maybe, maybe you just you know, got online and, and somehow stumbled onto this service. Maybe it's 10 years down the road after coronavirus and this is all over and somehow you've found this message. I want you to know In 10 million years from now, if this video is ever watched, the gospel will still save you. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our God will hear your prayer. Our God will forgive your sins. He'll make you new. You just call on Jesus. Jesus, save me. I know you died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me. Make me new. If you prayed that prayer, and it's 2020, We would love to hear from you. In this online environment, I know that that can be challenging. So what we've tried to do is we've tried to find a way that you can connect with us personally. So the best thing we could do in this town and in the the technology that we have, we wanted to make sure we could reach everybody, whether they had a computer or a phone. Um, We just just have this number, 254-893-HELP. 254-893-HELP. You dial that number and you're going to get a voicemail. It's my voice. And I just want you to just to leave a message and say, hey, Pastor Daniel, I just put my faith in Jesus. You leave your number there and information, and I'll call you back. Hopefully within 10 minutes of after you call, I'll call you back. It was really cool this last week. We had a call from New York City on the helpline. New York City. Melissa Reyes from New York City, who works with Tanya at Graffiti Church. She was just calling to let us know that she had joined in. Just to let us know as a church that as we pray and, and go and help serve there, she's praying and plugging in and connecting here with us online. 
one of the bl- biggest blessings of this week just to hear her voice and uh, hear that she's praying for us. I don't know where you are out there today. I don't know if maybe you're a Christian and you've just kind of walked away from God or maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, but I just want to encourage you, put your faith in Christ. Just ask Him to save you. And if you've done that, call this number, 254-893-HELP, and you let us know the decision you made. Let us know what God's given your life. If you have a prayer request, you have a need, feel free to call. We, we will do everything we can to get back to you, to help you, um, to share God with you in your life. In your office, in your TVs, your computers, your mobile devices, um, I want to ask that everybody bow your heads. Just if you're driving down the road, you pray with your eyes open. But I want to close in prayer this morning. If you put your faith in Jesus, we celebrate with you. We want to hear from you. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, today, I pray that you would build our faith. Father, you'd build the faith of your church. That, Lord, our light would shine in this world. As you've deposited that light in us, help us to shine you out. God, for those that are hurting, we lift up. Those that are sick. Father, we pray for healing for those that aren't well. We pray for protection for those that are serving to protect us in hospitals and nursing homes, medical fields around the nation. We pray for wisdom, God, in our own lives, for our leaders. We pray for a vaccine. We pray for the global economic environment in our world today. We pray for our leaders who are making decisions. And God, we pray for your church. Father, that we know that when the world grows darker, Lord, the light shines even brighter. So help us as your church corporately and help us as this church locally. Father, that we would shine brighter than ever in these dark days. Lord, I lift up to you those today that made a decision. Help us to continue, Father, to disciple them and teach them. Father, help us to continue as First Baptist Dillion to continue to be your church your disciples. Help us, God, to have faith and not fear. Help us, God, to help others and not hoard. And God, teach us to shine and not to hide. Help us, Lord, to be your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.